Praise God. Welcome to all of our guests tonight. If you're visiting with us tonight, we welcome you. It's good to have again this weekend Brother George Leifwatila and his family, wife and son with us. We know them from Zambia, great people. They're in Tanzania now and got daughters that are attending college here in the States. And so, so great to see them be with us. If you're joining us online tonight, wherever you may be, welcome you as a part of this service as well. Pray that it's a blessing to you. In Jesus' name. And uh, assuming hopefully most of you have heard uh, the update. Uh, originally, when uh, after Bishop had his fall, the doctor took an x-ray and said he found uh, a, uh, a fracture in his pelvis. Uh, but apparently between the x-ray and several hours later with the MRI, something happened. Because there was no longer a fracture in his pelvis. Praise God. Hallelujah. He does still have some uh, severe muscle tears and things like that, but... We're thankful for the what the Lord has done, and we give honor to Bishop and Mother Wright tonight. Praise God. Amen. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Genesis 12 and 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram, everybody say Abram, departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abraham to, or, and Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. I guess this happens every now and then for me. My title really probably won't mean a whole lot in the very beginning. But my title tonight comes from a statement a week ago, Friday night at the Apostolic Conference. Uh, in addition to it being the regular Friday night service of that conference, it was also a dedication service for uh, the new facility there at, um, uh, in Madison Parkway Church. And uh, they had done some of the, the uh, ceremonial things and prayer and things like that. And, and Brother Dylan, in his, in his comments, made this statement. And as is the case many times for me, it's one of those things that just kind of jumped out at me and stuck. And so that's where my title comes from. And again, hopefully in a little while, it'll make probably more sense. My title tonight is The Promise Always Catches Up to the Name. 
the promise always catches up to the name. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the working and the moving of your spirit that we have already experienced in this sanctuary tonight. I believe, I am confident, God, you have already touched hearts and lives in this place tonight. And I pray and believe now, God, that through your word, your spirit will continue to minister. God, that you would speak to hearts and lives that are in this place tonight, that ears could be open to hear what you would desire to say to us, God. Father, I pray right now, Lord, let there also be faith that is activated in this sanctuary, that we might be able to mix your word with faith, that it might produce in us and through us what it is you intend, Lord. I trust you tonight and depend on you again, Lord. I trust you for your anointing. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Also, for those of you that probably don't have kids, you're not really aware, we do have our, our a 412 service going on downstairs tonight. That's for uh, children ages 8 to 12. And so between the children, there's also a lot of adults and young people that are part of that ministry that are downstairs uh, for that tonight. I'm not sure if maybe all of you, are, it's, it's a conscious thing for you. I have to say, I guess I sort of missed it a little bit, but it wasn't this first time of God speaking to Abraham, as we now call him, that God changed his name. This first time God speaks to him and simply tells him, he's called him. I've chosen you. I've chosen you to, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And so this, this is the initial time that God speaks to Abram. But he just speaks to Abram. And I want you to notice, as a part of the foundation here tonight, I want you to notice in that initial speaking to Abram, for him to get to what God had for him, there had to be some coming out. Now, I don't mean that in... And it applies, but I'm not saying that tonight in the same context of what I've taught the last couple of Thursday nights that I've taught. I mean that in the sense of Abraham to reach what God had, had to be willing to leave what he was comfortable with. He had to be willing to, 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 uh, leave behind the, the surroundings that he was used to family and friends, the environment that he had grown accustomed to, the, the place that he had perhaps a degree of comfort in living in. But God said, I, if you're going to get this, if you're going to get what I have, you can't get it staying where you are. We all like for God just to bless us right where we are. We, we like God for us to meet us in our place of comfort. 
We like God to meet us in our familiar surroundings. And, and if He'll show up there, that's a wonderful thing. But can I tell you tonight, to ever reap the full benefits and reach the full potential that what God has to do in you and through you and for you, it's gonna require you've got to leave some things behind. You've got to, you've got to be willing to let go of some things. And I'm not talking about sin right now. That's a given. But some things again that are, that, that are your security and your safety. I gotta tell you, sometimes, I, I guess most of the time it's alright if you do the same thing week after week in worship and church. But I gotta tell you, every now and then, you ought to get desperate for something enough. You do something a little bit different. You get outside of your normal comfort zone and what you're used to doing to as an expression that I am not satisfied. I am not content. Not only do I want something more, but I'm willing to reach for something more. I'm calling you. I'm going to bless you. I'm I'm, I'm going to take you someplace, but you got to be willing. You got to be willing to depart. You got to be willing to to get out of the the status quo that you've been used to living in to pursue. All all I find here, I heard a I I was I was listening. Actually, it started with the, the message I sent a link out encouraging young people to watch by Brother Court Chavis. And, and that message was posted on YouTube. And so if you're familiar with YouTube, you get all kinds of other suggestions and recommendations. And so it, it, I, I, I clicked on a preacher. If I called his name, some of you would know him. He's not UPC. He's not, uh, not a part of our organization. But I, if I called his name, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm confident that there'd be a number of you tonight that would recognize him and, and he was he was he was getting ready to preach and he, and he made this statement he said he, he was about to read an old testament passage and he made this huge ordeal brother trombley that he doesn't normally preach out of the old testament all his time effort and energy is basically in the new testament and basically his point was because the new testament is written in greek the language of science and the old testament is hebrew so it's all more open interpretation and it's more about stories and with stories and all that you can add your own interpretation and twist on it. in one very small con way i i understand part of his point and, and we can, if we're not careful, take liberties with stuff. The flip side is to forget all about all of that because of that, there's a lot of great stuff you're missing. Not only is it great stuff you're missing, but there's a whole bunch of stuff you need. So I, 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 to me, part of the way you don't do that and, and, and take too much liberty is by making sure you check it with, all, with other stuff you know throughout Scripture and that it doesn't violate other things that are being said. You don't just stay away from all of it. There's too much you need. There's a lot of things about living for God you can understand through the Old Testament. There's a lot of things you can understand about your walk with God individually and about the church corporately. That is, that, that there's a, there's, it's a perfectly clear picture you can get from the Old Testament. So, that was just a momentary rant. Really wasn't necessary. Just had to get it off my chest. <laughs> We don't get a lot of details here. We just get apparently what seems to be not some greatly heralded announcement, 
Not something that was preceded by all kinds of pomp and circumstance, but what I am guessing was probably a very casual conversation between God and Abram. I wonder how many things God says to us that we miss the significance of it because there were no goosebumps. We did not feel anything. Let me tell you something. You better be careful with them goosebumps. Because sometimes you might just happen to be under the vent when the AC turns on and it's got nothing to do with God, angels, or anything. You just, just a little breeze got you and you felt it. In fact, I think probably some of the most significant things God tries to say to us are very calm. Not a lot of drama. In fact, I'll, I'll read some verses later. It wasn't the purpose of them, but that kind of demonstrate that point. So not, not some great, not, not some great exciting whatever event. No, no signs in the heavens to confirm. I mean, at least the, at least the, uh, the, the, the shepherds got some angels. They got a heavenly host. I mean, if you can't believe there's something that happened after that, you got a problem. There was no heavenly host. There was, there was not an angelic choir announcing this to Abram. It was simply God speaking to Abram. I'm going to do something with you much greater than what you probably have ever imagined. So the Bible says that Abram takes Sarah, his wife, and his brother's son, and they begin to go on this journey pursuing the land of Canaan, pursuing the promised land that God had for them without all kinds of details and explanations of what to do and how to get there and where it was. This is what I'm going to do. I just need you to be willing to follow. I need you to trust me with all the details and I, I don't know about you, but if I had to understand everything that was taking place for that airplane to fly, and I had to understand all the mechanics and the engine and all that kind of stuff, and I know how to, I knew how to and had to know how to fly it, I, I wouldn't be flying. Most of you wouldn't either. Bottom line is, if I had to be able to to to, to explain to you in some some very uh uh. uh detailed whatever way how a car engine works, I wouldn't be driving. Thank God for all of you smart, knowledgeable, intelligent people. I just know if I get the gas in and everything's working right, turn the key on, it'll go. That's all I know. And when there's not, when that doesn't do that, I know some people to call. (laughs) But some of us want God to give us all the details before we're willing to take that risk. We want God to lay it all out there and kind of give us, you know, the, 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 the big picture and the little picture, the details of the journey before we're willing to take the risk. But you're never going to get to where God wants you to go if you're not willing to just take the risk, take the plunge. <laughs> Do like Peter, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And with just a simple word, come. Again, no great signs and wonders. And in the middle of a storm, Peter gets out of the boat and is willing to leave the safety of the boat to pursue Jesus. 
It's not the message I believe I've come to preach tonight, but maybe there is somebody here tonight that there is a drawing of the Spirit of God in your life trying to call you to some place you've never been before, but you haven't quite made up your mind. You're willing to let go of what you have, what you know you have, to pursue what seems to be to a degree unknown. Yes, God, I know you're calling me, and on one hand, I trust you, but I'd like to know a little bit more details about all of this. There's not an adult in this place tonight that's lived for God for any length of time that the journey has not gone different than you planned. There's a whole bunch of you that aren't where you thought you'd be. I don't mean that in a bad way. You're, you're in, God's got you positioned in ministry and called you to do things that that's not what you originally intended or anticipated. But you were willing to go. So that, that's the initial interaction. That's the initial conversation between Abram and God. And he's 75 years old. 75. Well, we, we get anxious and frustrated and fretting at 30 and 20 and 40, 50, 60, 75. I got a feeling by 75, Abram had probably come to terms with some things. I think there's probably some dreams that he had put to rest. Oh, hallelujah. I got a feeling there was some goals that he had earlier in life that now being he was 75, he, he had accepted, not, not, not liking it, but he had accepted this is probably never going to happen. I mean, I, I'm just saying if I was 75 and didn't have a child yet, I probably would have put that to rest a while ago, accepted that it wasn't going to happen as much as I may have wanted it to happen. And yet, seemingly out of the blue, to me, God shows up to Abram and says, I'm not done. There's some things I've had in mind and planned for you that it just wasn't time yet to tell you. So now you've reached a place that it probably seems too late. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Now that you've probably given up on some things, let me tell you I'm going to do some of the things you gave up on. So he calls him. And then we go five chapters later to chapter 17. There is, to my knowledge... I did not reread every verse preparing for tonight, but there was no, that I recall from chapter 12 through the end of chapter 16, there was no reassurances from God. There was no, let, let, let me just remember what I told you at 75. I, I know you're 80 now and it hasn't happened, but what I told you at 75 is, is still good. And at, you know, about 87, God comes back to him and says, listen, I, I know it's, I know it's been a number of years now, but I just want you to know, I, I didn't forget what I told you at 75. And he got that one conversation, that one, we get a word from God and then we want it affirmed and reaffirmed and re-reaffirmed and re-re-re-reaffirmed and, 
Then we want some fleeces and we want some signs and some of the most significant things God did through some men and women in the Bible, particularly that I find in the Old Testament, came through one word. Noah, I need you to build an ark. It's going to rain. Here's what I want you to do. Simple as that. For a hundred plus years, he's got one single word to go on. One conversation that he and God had that nobody else heard. You know what? We've got the blessing and the benefit at Antioch that we've had men and women of God for 30 plus years come through. And without knowing what somebody else has said, they get up and say the same thing that somebody else has said and reaffirm to us. Nobody had that with Abram. Nobody else had that with Noah. And so now, chapter one or verse one of, of chapter seventeen. And when Abram was ninety-nine years old, excuse me, not not well, ninety and nine. When ninety-nine years old, so that's twenty-four years. Twenty-four. I mean, twenty-four years puts me back. You know, I was relatively young. I mean, when you're seventy-five. Or when you're 99 and you're going back 25 years, that you're still really old. Sorry, in the in context, in context, he's gone 24 years. I'm preaching to some people. You haven't gone 24 years yet. I'm not trying to discourage you to tell you you are. My point is, you may have gone a while, but God hasn't forgotten. And it doesn't matter if you were 75 when God gave you the promise and you're now 99. If you did what God intended for you to do and you left some things behind and you began pursuing what God had, He has not forgotten. So at 99, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. Here's what I also find. You guys, you you brethren, help me out. When I read that, when God first spoke, it wasn't on the terms of covenant. I don't find that term in there, specifically used. Now he comes back and says, I'm establishing my covenant. I want you to know, Abram, I'm not messing around about this. This is not just some little suggestion I've thrown out to you. But this is, this, I'm, I'm laying my reputation. I'm putting who I am on the line with you, Abram, as a way of showing you how serious I am about what I said I was going to do. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram. But thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, 
and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. We go back to verse number 5. And God says, up till this point, 99 years of your life, you have been Abram. Abram in the Hebrew means high father. But now, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. Father of many, father of many nations. For a father of many nations, notice, notice, not will I make you. God didn't say, I I want you to change your name because this is what I'm going to do. God said, I want you to change your name because I have already made you this. And so now, again, at the risk of taking too much liberty... Abram has to now start telling people, I have a new name. I'm not Abram anymore. I am now Abraham. And no doubt they knew and understood the difference between the names. So he has to start calling himself what it doesn't look like he is. He starts taking on an identity of something he's not. But God says, you are. This isn't what I'm going to do, but I've already made you this. I'm going to read it again. Forgive me for quoting it now. The God that calls those things that are not as though they were. So at 75, I gave you a promise. At 99, I'm reaffirming the promise, but I'm giving you a name to go with the promise, even though the promise hasn't been fulfilled to the fullest yet. But if you'll just hang on and accept the name I'm giving you, eventually the promise, what I told you I was going to do, is going to catch up to the name. You may have to live a little while with the new identity without the evidence of the new identity. You may have to take on the new identity for a while without being able to prove to people that you really are that. But if you will accept the name I have given you, begin to call yourself and let others call you, eventually what I told you I was going to do is going to catch up. Oh, I realize I'm preaching to probably the majority of people that God hasn't technically given you in promise and prophecy a new name, but God's given you some promises. And you've got to live like what you are going to become, not what you were, not afraid that it's never going to happen, but accept if God has said he would do it and God has given me a new identity, it may not look like it now, but eventually what God has promised is going to is going to catch up to who I am. 
Is there something about you, Abraham, we don't know that suddenly you're now calling yourself something different? Is there something, is there something you've been hiding from us that suddenly you're now going to tell us, no, I, I, all I know is God said this is who I am. All I know is God said this is what my name is. And I, I can't help what the evidence looks like or what the circumstances look like. I realize it hasn't happened yet. But it, even though it hasn't happened yet, the one who said he was going to do it looks at it with such certainty that in his mind it's already done. The context of the statement that Brother... Dylan made was that when they went to start their church in Madison prayed about God's direction for what they were supposed to call it the name that they felt was Parkway Pentecostal or Apostolic Church uh, Apostolic Parkway Apostolic Church except the problem was they lived on a, a road that wasn't a Parkway didn't make sense Brother Dylan said people ask him that. Didn't make sense. But now they're in a brand new building. Just completed several months ago, moved into it. First year of apostolic conference in that building. Anybody want to guess what the address is that church is on? It's now Parkway. I think it's Reunion Parkway. The name that God gave. The promise has now caught up to the name. Preaching to some people tonight, you got a new name. Maybe you've been living with that new name for 24 years. Maybe it's been a long time since God said what he was going to do or, and maybe you're now living with that new name and it seems even more impossible. But I believe I've come to tell some folks tonight in the Holy Ghost, just hang on a little while longer. Don't give up on what you've been calling yourself and on what God's been calling you because there's something that's about to catch up with who you are. What God said he was going to do is about to catch up with who you say you are. There had to have been some days when Abram was wondering if it was ever going to happen, if God was ever going to do it. But when he took on that new name and began to confess that new name and begin to demonstrate that his faith by, by taking on that name, it was only a matter of time. Oh, I realize our, 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 our point of reference when it comes to promises is our human experiences. There is not a person in this place tonight that has not had a promise broken. I don't care how good of a parent you are, you've broken some promises. It's not just parents that are idiots that break promises. There have been some promises I made and I had no idea what the circumstances were between saying the promise and the time I thought I was going to do it. And so in essence, I broke the promise. I wasn't that I was neglecting it. It, it wasn't that I was purposely lying. It was just I, I, either something came up or I didn't have the means to do what I said I would do. About every, well, told you, we're going on vacation. Next year, we're going on vacation. You get to next year, and there's been unforeseen circumstances, and 
You can't. It's, it's not that you were just being a liar to your kids. You, did, you didn't know what was going to happen. Can I tell you tonight that when God says what he's going to do, God knows every circumstance and situation in between the promising of what he's going to do and the fulfillment of what he's going to do. There are no unforeseen circumstances between those two. And so he knows when he says it, everything that's going to have to happen in between the giving of it and the fulfilling of it. And God is not a man that he should lie. God is, if I lie to you, I'm, I'm still a man. In fact, if I lie to you, that just gives you more proof I'm a man. But God is not a man that he should lie. Delay is not denial. Just because God, what God said he was going to do hasn't happened yet does not mean he's changed his mind and he's gone back on his promise. Because most of the time when God tells you what he's going to do, he does not tell you when he's going to do it. He just expects that when he says what, you're going to latch on to what he said he was going to do. And no matter what comes your way, you're going to hang on that God, you said it. And if you said it, you cannot lie. And you are faithful to do what you said you would do. You're not going to promise something and then not come through with it. Make some war with it. Make some war with it. Every doubt, every accusation of the enemy, every accusation, whether it's against me or against God, I'm going to take out the word that I've got. This is what God said. Whether I'm reminding God of what he said or I'm telling the enemy what God said, I I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I know what it seems like. I know it looks impossible. I know it looks hopeless. But God said it. And if God said it, Ah, oh, Lord, I, I don't. Am I at Antioch or not? I'm getting a lot of blank. I know some of you got some promises. I know some of you got a new identity God's given you. And I know maybe you've been through a lot of hardships and difficulties that it looks impossible, but you need to accept the identity and 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 walk in it, trusting that what God said is going to catch up. Romans chapter 4, verse number 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee. Past tense. He didn't, he never told Abraham. Or he, he looked at what he told, let me rephrase that. He looked at what he told Abraham with such certainty that to God it's past. It's already done. It's accomplished. I have made thee a father of many nations. 
before him who be, who he, whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that which be not as though they were. Obviously, I don't think I have to say it. I'm not preaching to you tonight a bunch of name it and claim it, blab it and grab it stuff. I'm not talking about just a bunch of frivolous stuff. I'm talking about the stuff God has put into your spirit and the things that God has spoken to you, whether that's just between you and him or it's a man or woman of God that he sent your way to speak a prophetic word in your life. I've made thee a father of many nations. Quicken the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now I'm just, I'm just telling you this next verse from my natural perspective is not true. From natural, a natural perspective, this next verse is not true. When I go back and read the story of Abraham, this verse doesn't seem to be true. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. If that's the case, the one question I have is, why was there an Ishmael? If he staggered not, it, it says here, listen, what did it say? Verse 19, he did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. If he did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb, why was it he took Sarah's suggestion? Hello? If he did not consider that, why was it he was willing to do what she suggested? Because it seems to me he staggered a little bit. I'm, believe me, I'm not wanting to be on the wrong side of the Word of God. I'm not done with my point yet, so hold on. Those of you that were there Friday night, sorry, you got to hear it again. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. The only way I can understand this for me is God doesn't look at the day-to-day, -day, the ups and the downs. We're on that high someday where we believe and know God said it. God's going to do it. It's going to happen. But then we go through those moments of doubt and struggle and unbelief. And so rather than God judging us on moment by moment, day by day, God also looks at us at the outcome. 
And so based on the end of the story, God says of Abraham, he was fully persuaded that what I promised I was able to do. Can I preach to a few folks tonight that you know there's been some ups and downs in your faith. You know there's been some times when you've staggered a little bit at the promises of God and have wondered if it was ever going to happen. I've come to tell you tonight, just keep believing. When you get knocked down, get back up again. When your faith falls, get back up again and believe again. Because it's not about day to day, but it's about at the end of the story. And when it's all said and done, God can look at you and say, fully persuaded. Verse 17 in the Amplified, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. See, you and I have faith. Faith is the substance of what we hope for and the evidence of what we don't see. But I'm sorry, that's intangible. I, I feel like I'm preaching to some folks tonight that are way more spiritual than I am. We, we gotta have faith. He that comes to God must believe that He is. Without faith, you know, I know, I know that, but, but the bottom line is faith is faith. I can't, I, 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 I can't hold faith. Faith is the evidence of what's coming, what I haven't seen, but it's what gets me there. But when God looks at what he's going to do, God's not operating on faith. He looks at the things he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Do, do you believe tonight that there are some things that God has promised you individually that in God's mind they already exist? They already exist. But brother, I can't see them. I haven't experienced them yet. Yes, that's why you need faith. But on God's side of it, it's already done. To God, even though he's promised it, it's as certain to him that it's already done. Message Bible says it this way. We call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was named, was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Anybody daring to trust God tonight to do what only God can do? Raise the dead to life and with a word make something 
out of nothing. With a word, make something out of nothing. Hebrews tells us that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, when I read the account in Genesis, maybe it happened, but I'm just going based on what I read there. When God said, let there be light, according to what Genesis 1 says, He did not then go on to define all of the properties of light. When God spoke the sun, moon, and stars in place, He did not have to also sit down at His computer and program. I mean, how long does it take to program some natural tasks and things we do on a computer? Can you imagine how long it would take to program the solar system to be as precise as it is? Based on what I see in Genesis, God did not have to do that. In the Word. In the Word, let there be light. Was everything necessary, not only to create but also to establish all of the properties, processes, whatever, that went along with the Word. I guess it's just better right here than it is all over here. In the Word was everything necessary. I've... I've I think I get it from my, my, my mom's dad, who I called Pawpaw. I think I get it from him. He, he, would, he would try anything, do anything, try to build anything. And I, I, I'm the same. I love to tinker with stuff. I love to try to build stuff and do stuff. I've built shelves. I've tiled floors. And usually I have to have somebody come along and patch up some of the the mistakes, but I like to do it. And I don't know. I know Brother, Brother Whaley, he's the expert builder over here, but I got a feeling probably a similar thing for him. I, I, I normally have to make a couple of trips back to get either something I forgot or just I need more. Not, not a matter of forgot. I just, I need more. I, there's something else I need. Some, maybe something I didn't know I need. And so got to make another trip to the hardware store, to Home Depot. Need some, need some more trim. I need a little more paint. Need a little more of this or that. And, and so I got to go back because I don't have the power of a word to say, let there be bookshelves. I say let there be bookshelves, there's also all the necessary materials needed. Not only are there all the necessary materials needed, they all also jump in place. But God speaks and with a word frames the world. <laughs> All of the complex processes of life, the, 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 the God.
God did not have to sit down, create the Canadian geese, and then sit there for hours and program them. You're going to go from the north to the south this time, and then from the south back to the north, and when you do that, you're going to fly in a V, and you're going to... God did not... When God said, let there be geese, maybe God even said, let there be Canadian geese. Brother, right, Canada wasn't around yet. When God said that, it was put in that goose. At a certain time of year, I'm going to fly over Maryland. A couple years back, I've I've seen all my life, I've seen, you know, one of those V formations of, of, you know, 20, 30 geese at times. A couple years ago, we were over on the eastern shore playing golf. Queenstown Golf Course, and I have never seen this before or since, but we look up and from one side of the horizon, as far as we could see, there was a line of geese, all in perfect formation, heading to where they knew they needed to go. All of that came from a word. I don't want to disillusion anybody tonight, but I am a believer in the Big Bang. I am a wholehearted believer in the Big Bang. Not the Big Bang theory, but the Big Bang. I just kind of think when God spoke. (laughs) There was a Big Bang. But it wasn't a bunch of random stuff that now started to happen that in 2015 we have now evolved. It was because in a word. If God can do all of creation with a word, please tell me what is it in your life that is too big for God to do in a word? If in a word God can cause all of creation, do you mean to tell me in the same, in a, in the, in, a, in the speaking of a word that God's going to give us a hundred thousand? That wrapped up in the word? If God, let, let me tell you something. I know some of you got some financial difficulties and trouble, but please tell me on a scale of your financial situation compared to the creation of a world, what, what's kind of bigger? Your monthly bills that you're struggling just to pay every month, that compared to the stars, the planets, the solar system. I I mean, really, you think God working out a way to give you a few more dollars every month is really that big of a deal? (laughs) I think our problem is God says what, and we try to figure out the how. When God says, when when all God is wanting is, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, and I just need you to believe. 
living Bible. That is what the scriptures mean when they say that God made Abraham the father of many nations. God will accept all people in every nation who trusted as Abraham did. And this promise is from God Himself who makes the dead live again and speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they were already past. I think, I think, and I know some of you are, this doesn't apply at all, but forgive me. I think some folks have gotten a little bit disillusioned with God because they've watched too many futuristic movies. I mean, by now, we were all supposed to be riding around in flying cars. I mean, you know, by now, we were all supposed to be just, you know, going to have dinner in some solar system somewhere and just dropping in our, hopping in our mobile and we're there, we're gone. I think some of us may be getting a little disillusioned with God because life hasn't gone the way we thought it would go by now. That's not God. God God didn't have no back to the future moments. He knew what was going to happen and it was really accurate. So that when He gets there and when He gets us there, it is exactly what He said. I'm sorry, but maybe I'm the only one. I have a feeling I'm not. But there's been a lot of times I have marked my calendar for what God was supposed to do. Okay, God, such and such a date, that's when you're going to do it. You told me you were going to do it, so I'm now letting you know when you're going to do it. And so when my date comes and goes and God hasn't done it, what do I start doing? Questioning and doubting God. Second guessing if I really heard from God because when I thought it was going to happen, when I keep, I thought it was going to happen, it didn't happen. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we find Elijah having... I'm pretty sure it all took place in a day, if I understand the scripture correctly, that chapter correctly. We found Elijah having the day of spiritual days. I mean, he, you want to talk about a pretty awesome day. There's a drought going on, there's trouble going on. He challenges the prophets of Baal. Meet me on Mount Carmel. Let's find, let's settle who God is. And, and he gets up there and, 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 and they pray and nothing happens. And he builds this altar and, and, and gets it all set up. And then he gets four barrels of water and pours the water on. Do you ever, do you ever think, I, I, I had somebody else, I heard somebody else preach this. And I never really thought of it until hearing them, but he takes four barrels of water. They were in a drought. He uses a precious commodity and just pours it on the altar. And and then he steps back and just prays a little prayer. And fire comes from heaven. Burns the sacrifice, burns the wood, burns the altar, and licks up all the water as well. And then... He says to his servant, 
go, go, go take a look and tell me what you see. The servant, after several times, comes back and says, I, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. We've been in a drought. Big whoopee. The cl- a cl- what is a cloud the size of a man's hand going to do? We got to do. And he says, go tell the king. He better get ready. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. The king gets in his chariot and is riding. And Elisha runs past the king and gets to Jezreel before Ahab, who's in a chariot. By the end of that day, it, you just ha- Elijah ha- must have had some serious hopping. I'm telling you what he had. Uh, I mean, he just had to have been floating. Prophets of Baal, fire from heaven, gonna rain. I, I mean, to me, he would have to be like, bring it on. What's next? We just did that. There's nothing gonna stand in the way. Unfortunately, the very next chapter, the queen gets a little upset. She threatens, I'm going to kill you the same way you killed my men. And he goes from all of that to being scared to death and asking God, kill me. Just kill me. This statement's not original, brother. Bounds said it on the Friday night of Youth Congress. The problem is when Jezebel speaks, it gives you a lens that blurs the promises and magnifies the problems. When Jezebel speaks, it gives you a lens that blurs the promises and magnifies the problems. And so when the enemy starts speaking into our lives, we can no longer see the promises, but we start seeing all of the problems that are in the way of the promise. The same God that did it on Mount Carmel and the same God that caused the rain to fall is the same God that has the ability to take care of Jezebel. He goes running off, show, angel shows up, provides him a meal. He goes 40 days off of one meal. Ends up hiding in a cave. I wasn't going to read. I'm, I'm cutting out a bunch I was going to read. But, but I, in the context of what I said earlier, I, wanna, I do want to read this in verse number 9. And he was in a cave and the Bible says, the Lord says, stand up upon the mountain before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains my God we had a move of God the mountains were rent and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord that's some church friend that's some church right there but the Lord 
was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. Boy, it shook tonight. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. You better make sure that you don't miss what God did at church or someplace else. Because there wasn't wind, earthquake, and fire. Because there was no sensational to grab your attention, you assumed that the Lord was not there. Because all those, three of those things happened for Elijah, but it specifically says at the end of each one, the Lord was not there. Let me just pause for a moment. I don't care what you watch on TV, internet, and what God does in church service somewhere that looks like the same thing God does here. Just because they dance doesn't mean God's in it. Just because they shout doesn't mean God's in it. Just because something happened doesn't all automatically mean God's in it. Because after all of that, there was a still, small voice. And the implication is the Lord was in it. And he speaks to Elijah. Elijah wraps his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? <laughs> listen, listen, this is so classic. You want to know why I'm here, God? I have been very jealous for you. You know, we really, we all know how to do that when it comes to prayer. We all know how to make, make it sound like we're... You want to know what's going on, God? I've been standing for you. I've been trusting in you. But you aren't anywhere around. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down the altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I'm the only one left, God. I'm all by myself. Oh, can we, First Kings chapter 19, verse number, verse 14. I want them to know I'm not making that up. Ah, some of y'all do. Some of y'all come to church that way. What's wrong with you? Well, God, I've been worshiping. Ain't nobody else doing anything. I've been fasting. Ain't nobody around here been fasting but me, God. I'm the only one still hanging on. You yet holding on? Keep on keeping on, baby. Bunch of y'all had no idea what that's all about. Some of them. Like that lady that got up in church one night to testify. I've been in the way for 35 years. Dear God, get out of it. You're, you're holding up progress. I am the only one left. And the Lord said unto him, Go. Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you come there, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. By the way, I also want you to pick the next prophet. 
And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elijah slay. And oh, by the way, Elijah, while you're in the midst of your pity party, I've got seven thousand in Israel whose knees have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which hath not kissed him. You think you're all by yourself and the only one holding on. You're not all by yourself. There's some others that have stood their ground as well and believe that I'm going to do what I said I would do. By the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, some of you need to let the lens that Jezebel has caused you to be looking through get destroyed tonight. And rather than seeing all of the problems and the issues with God doing what he said, you just need to focus now under him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us with God. All things are possible faithful is he that has called you who is going to do it oh hallelujah hallelujah I'm, I'm, I'm quitting I'm closing I'm done some of you about ready to give up on your name some of you about ready to give up on your name because the promise hadn't caught up yet I believe I've come in the Holy Ghost tonight to tell some of you, hang on to the name. Hang on to who it is God said you were. Because in God's mind, it's already done. It's already happened. And I realize in the natural. You know what, what Job said? Job, Job said, we read the story of Job. Did God ever abandon Job? Did God forsake Job? Did God, was God punishing Job? No. We know that because we look back at the story. But notice one of Job's prayer. This is paraphrasing, not an exact quote of the King James, but Job said, oh, if I could just go back to my youth when God was with me, when God was shining on me. The reason he thought that is because what he was currently going through he misunderstood the evidence of the circumstances and thought God had abandoned him, but God was just as close in the midst of that struggle and trial as God was in the days of his youth when everything was going all right. Some of you kind of doing like Jacob did. Dad, here's Joseph's coat. Covered in blood. And all he did was take that coat and assume. He assumed. I'm preaching to some people tonight. The enemy's giving you a bloody coat. He's giving you a bloody coat. Based on that bloody coat, you have determined what was supposed to happen will never happen. I'm telling you tonight, don't misunderstand the evidence. 
Or don't let false evidence cause you to quit believing what God said He would do and that God is going to do it. I realize what it may look like. I realize what the evidence may say. But the enemy's really good at deception. So somehow you got to press past all of that. Say, God, I know what it looks like. But what you said supersedes what it looks like. What you said is bigger than what I see. And so rather than believing this evidence, I'm going to hang on to the word that you gave me I'm going to hang on to the promise you gave me and even though that promise is still future tense for me it's past tense for you stand if you would please Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name brother Kimbrell some of you know this, some of you don't. Brother Kimbrell started his own business years ago. How many years ago, Brother Kimbrell? 2,000. 15 years ago. If you're Abraham, you got nine to go. 2,000. Almost said 2,000 years ago. In 2000, Brother Kimbrell started his own business. The name of that business is Global Harvest Networks. Now, let me tell you, how many, what's all you IT people? You work IT. What's your company? Global Harvest. You say you're IT? I mean, what, what does that have to do with IT? Global Harvest. Are, are you a, oh, you're a network for farmers. That's what you do. Do you know what, Brother Kimbrell? That wasn't your dream in the sense of originating from you. That name was birthed out of a belief that God would use Global Harvest Networks as a tool for funding Global Harvest. guys aren't funding Global Harvest yet, are you? Funding yourselves okay? Funding some employees? But I'm telling you tonight, Brother Kimbrell, I didn't come planning to do this, but I feel it. The promise. The promise is going to catch up with the name. The promise is going to catch up with the name. Wasn't an accident, Brother Kimbrell. Wasn't what you dreamed up. Whether it came as a prophecy or not, the promise is going to catch up with the name. I've already said it. I realize probably the majority of you, maybe I'm wrong, hopefully I'm wrong. But probably the majority of you, maybe you don't have a tangible word based on what I'm preaching right now. But I'm not here tonight just preaching to somebody that thinks they have a tangible word. Because I believe there's some folks here tonight, you don't have a tangible specific word. You just have this sense. There's just something down inside that says, I, I know there's something. I, I don't even know what my name is yet, but there's something. We've sat now, we started a year ago. I know what time it is. I'm quitting, I'm quitting. 
We started a year ago with the Antioch Ministerial Licensing Process. We've now just been doing our one-year reviews, which is a part of that. And the question was asked back then, and it's been asked again now. We had some the other night. Brother Trombley said to a couple of these young men, what, what, what do you believe you're called to the five-fold ministry? And some of them said yes. Well, what? I, I don't know. Not really sure. You know what? I don't know about you. Maybe that's not good enough for you. If it's not good enough for you, you need to get another pastor. There had been a lot of stuff. I had just the, the sense. I just, it was just something down inside. I knew there's, there's, there's some place, there's something God's, God's doing, going to do. I, I don't know exactly what it is. I, I don't know exactly the circumstances or the specifics. I just know. So I preached to some people like that tonight. You, you don't have a prophetic word that was spoken to you absolutely plainly and clearly. There's just something inside. You know, this isn't who I am. I, what's going on today is not who I am. There's, there's something else God has called me to. There's something else I'm going to become. And even though I don't know exactly what the promise is, and I don't know exactly what the name is, at some point the two are going to come together. I want you to close your eyes, if you would, for a moment. like to open this altar, give an altar call. like to give it in several different ways, several different contexts. If one of the ones I say doesn't exactly apply to you, but you feel to come, come anyway. If you're here tonight and you know there's some things God has promised you, there are some things you know, not just fantasies or dreams you've come up with yourself, but you know it's a word, a promise from God. But the gap between that promise, the fulfillment of it, where you are now seems to be so far. But tonight, you take a step out of that seat, make your way down to this altar as a demonstration to God to the enemy, to yourself, to say, I believe at some point, at some point, the promise is going to catch up to the name. Hasn't happened yet. Looks impossible to the eyes of the flesh. It's future tense for me. But to God, it's as if it's already happened. Notice I'm not preaching to you tonight that this is the day of the fulfillment of it or this is the week or the year. I don't know that part. But the part I have come to preach to you tonight is that if God gave it to you, if God promised it, you can count on God doing it. You may have to walk around for a while with a name that you don't match up with. You may have to live for a little while calling yourself something that the circumstances don't confirm. But you're accepting the identity that God has given you with the confidence that at some point my promise is going to catch up with my name. Hallelujah. 
name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I know some of you are looking at some dead situations I know some of you are looking at circumstances that seem to be dead but by the help of the Holy Ghost by the grace of God tonight why don't you do what Abraham did and not consider the deadness of the circumstances and situations God promised it God knew he would have to resurrect some dead things if there are some dead things in your life. If God promised it, he knew in advance every issue, every contingency, every problem he'd have to work out. But all of that was wrapped up in the promise. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. He's not giving up on you. Don't give up on Him. He hasn't changed His mind. Don't change yours. Come on, come on, come on. The Holy Ghost is doing something right now. Come on, the Holy Ghost is doing something right now. Come on, the Holy Ghost is doing something right now. 
I know you want the promise fulfilled. I know you want the promise fulfilled. But don't miss out on God renewing your faith for the promise. Don't miss out on God renewing your faith. Oh, yeah, Rabo, Sandana, Labashataya.